Welcome to Creative Couch, a series of podcasts on innovation. Today, we're going to be finishing off our focus on Gen Z with uh, two young Gen Z entrepreneurs who will be telling us about their stories. Today, we have on the couch Anna Warnock, who is the business manager of The Sewing Depot and also the founder of New Zealand Sewing. We have Shuari Naidu, who is the CEO and founder of Moraka Menstrual Cups. Welcome. Thank you. Great Thank you. to have you on the couch. Uh, there's a lot in there already, so maybe I'll give you the opportunity, starting maybe with you, Anna, of just telling us you've got two different rules there. What does that mean? Yeah, well, I guess my journey in business has been a bit different. Um, I started out founding my own company, and through that I found a lot of connections and other business owners um, who were originally my clients. And I stumbled across an opportunity at the sewing depot where it was a very traditional sewing shop and the owner was actually about to retire and there was no kind of good next step for that business other than just selling it to someone without that passion that was originally held by the owner and so I kind of took the sewing depot shop but also founded my own company and tried to just build a business with a bit of a bigger mission so like day to day we still trade as a sewing shop I sell sewing supplies, you know, I help small um, designers just, you know, get the supplies for their stuff. But we're really on a mission much more than that. And that's where the NZ sewing component comes in, where there is a sort of mission within the company to um, kind of focus on a circular economy, slowing down fast fashion and tackling some of the issues that we have in the industry. Uh, because once you're in there, there are lots so it's yeah kind of a values driven business somewhat of a social enterprise but still kind of holding on to that traditional sewing shop where I just run things day to day as as the business manager you know you do everything from orders suppliers through to customer service over the counter it's just a bit of everything at the moment fantastic I'll yeah. come back to you later on maybe in, in the podcast and ask a little bit more about that phrase slowing down fast fashion mm. but for now that that's awesome Shari, tell us about, about you and your business. Um, I run Morocco Menstrual Cups. Um, it's a social enterprise, and our mission is to provide affordable, sustainable, and cost-effective period products to counter the issue of menstrual taboo and period poverty in society. We're really focusing on reducing waste from disposable period products and making sustainable options like menstrual cups more accessible for lower- to middle-income users. We're also working towards ending period poverty, a term to describe the circumstances in which someone can't afford period products, which is a serious issue in New Zealand, affecting one in every two Kiwi women. And through that, we're hoping to make period products, particularly menstrual cups, a lot more accessible because there are so many benefits to menstrual cups. They don't need to be changed for four to eight hours. They last 10 years. And in that time, you save so much money in the environment. So why I started, why I decided to start Morocco was I was inspired by my mother who wanted to start a menstrual cup business, but she didn't feel like it was the right time. And when I joined the Young Enterprise Scheme in 2019, I thought we're in an era of change. We're in an era of social change. Why not start a business with a, um, a social impact? And when I was researching, I found that menstrual cups, existing menstrual cups, were extremely expensive. I myself, I'm a student at the moment, I couldn't afford something like that. And at the time, at 16 years old, I don't think I could have afforded that as well. So the core of our mission is to make menstrual cups more accessible, make an existing product. So for example, you can't 
disposable products can be expensive monthly. But then on the other spectrum, on the other side of things, dispose sustainable options are not accessible. So making it a lot more accessible for people to access. We're also working towards education and awareness. Education and awareness is the key to destigmatizing periods. Having knowledge about your body, about how the how period products work, about menstruation, will really break the taboo and stigma in society. That's awesome. So if, if you know, if if I can paraphrase what you said, it's almost like you you've got two goals. One is about accessibility, and one is about sustainability. Exactly. And the accessibility is is period poverty around the money side of things, right? But also about education as well. Right. Yeah. Making sustainable options more accessible is at the core of our business because you can't. We can't tell people. Okay, so disposable products are too expensive, and we can't have them priced too heavily. But we also can't have period products, especially menstrual cups, being priced so excessively that people are unable to access it. And that idea that people can't afford period products is a, is a serious issue. And we've got to make products a lot more easier for people to access because people need period pro- People need that. It's a monthly cost. And it comes down to period products are a human right, the right to dignity and access to basic resources. Fantastic. Great. Can't think of two better people who've sitting in the cars to have this discussion with. Fantastic. Thank you for, for those introductions. We'll, we'll, we'll dig down a little bit deeper as well into the businesses as, as we go and your business models and, uh, and how you operate. Uh, thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time because you're, you're busy people, obviously. Uh, I just asked the first question really to, to Anna. Anna, you know, you're, you're Gen Z as we've, we've defined over the past two podcasts in this area to make it simple as people born between 1995 and 2010. Of course, that can change people, you know, looking at it in different ways. But within that period, do you feel as, as an entrepreneur who sits in that bracket, do you feel that you have different challenges from entrepreneurs who, who are slightly older than that? I think I do. Um, and I'm not sure if that's just kind of the timing of right now. You know, it may be that the previous generation still had these struggles when they were my age, if they founded. But it's... Yeah, a lot of the challenges I face are kind of down to, I don't know if it's my own doubts about myself or other people's doubts about me, but just being taken seriously is quite a a struggle for me and really having to push and prove my worth to people before I can kind of break those barriers and then having conversations with others in my industry they haven't quite faced as much as that. And I don't know if that is down to my age or just something else entirely. But yeah, it's really having to kind of prove your worth and have this, you know, results-based things to to break through to that next stage is what I'm finding. Um, Because I am really at a position where we're a little bit past that startup phase, but we haven't really scaled as such. And so I'm in this kind of awkward interim phase where there's so much potential but you don't want to kind of give everyone all the information about your you know, dreams and goals to justify why they should help you now. And it's, yeah, it's just been quite interesting seeing just myself versus, you know, older people and just the response seems to be a little bit different. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that I can... I can 
totally understand what you're saying. And, and is that something, Shari, that you've seen as well or experienced? Definitely agreeing with Anna here. Yeah. Being taken seriously, being seen as an entrepreneur rather than just someone running a business, um, and being in that, that, that strange phase of being um, just a little bit past a startup but not ready to scale, um, and being seen and, like, I think as well being a woman, being a young woman, being a founder, um, only recently have female founders become like it's almost the norm. I would probably argue that. What do you think? Um, I mean, usually it's always been males who have been founders, um, but recently it's become definitely something different. And I think with that becomes challenges. You know, something new happens, more people are getting into the entrepreneur space. It can, it can kind of be met with reluctance or backlash. So, okay, so if that's consistent across both of your experiences and uh, and the, the gender angle, of course, is really important just as just as much as the the age. What what have you done to to re, you know push back? How have you managed to get around that, or have you been able to get around that? I've just been. I have to just because my business were very much grant driven, just applying for as much as grants as I can. Um, not letting a few like feedback. For example, if I get negative feedback, I take it as feedback that can be improved on. Yeah. Um, so not taking it as criticism, but taking it as, okay, this is something I've got to do to improve my, my work. Um, just applying for different things, working towards the goal, just continuing to work, um, on Morocco because one setback is not, you know, the all, all the setbacks. Yeah. Is that something you've learned, uh, to have thick skin? Thick skin. Yeah. You've got to have thick skin and, and, running a business because you know you can't just think you can't hype yourself up too much because sometimes you're like you know this this entrepreneur with this amazing business and sometimes you've just got to like hustle through mm. hustle through get get the work done uh, and is that similar you're oh, nodding away there. I, yeah definitely agree with that and just yeah not taking criticism as criticism it's right. like well that is fact so how can I be better how can I move forward like I've been told directly by suppliers of mine that I'm naive or I'm out of my depth and they almost say that as if I should stop. And it's like, well, what can I then do to exactly. not be naive? You know, what information can I then consume to be more knowledgeable on this topic? You know, we shouldn't just see a roadblock as, oh, stop doing that. Mm. If it hasn't been solved yet, be creative, right. you know, go around it, do something different, innovate, you know collaborate and just keep pushing through it really is just about like resiliency and yeah having a really tough skin but also being like I think there is something valuable about being sensitive at the same time and really like listening to all that feedback and not just going oh, you know their feedback doesn't matter yeah it's like how can I grow as a person and as a business to yeah just tackle these problems because it has been, yeah, like I've been in this business long enough that I'm stuck with this mission and vision. You know, I'm not looking to change that. So if a supplier doesn't agree, that's not really going to stop me. <laughs> You're agreeing there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Um, resilience. Resilience is the key. It's something that it grows over time. So when you start your business um, to when you're at a perhaps a scalable stage, an investment stage, that, that your level of growth changes. Um, it's just about honestly learning learning as you go fake it till you make it i say that in quotes fake it till you <laughs> fake it till you make it because i think that that idea of business that image of 
the business, I'll be honest, the businessman is that he knows everything. He knows how to run a business. He's a millionaire in like, like one year type thing, but that's not the reality of entrepreneurship for everyone. Um, and then learning, being open to ideas, um, being able to listen. That's just what it is. This is fascinating. And going back to Anna, to a point you made about naivety, you know, being called naive, mm. it's almost a strength in a way, isn't it? Because it means that you're looking at things in a different way. Exactly. So, yeah. as you say, maybe it's about flipping it on its head and taking it, you know, you know right. not as a criticism, but as a way of, of learning. Is, yeah. that, is that fair to say? Yeah, just different perspective. Like, I'm not running a sewing shop because I want to run a sewing shop for the rest of my life. I have a bigger sort of vision and mission around that and yeah it's going to take some creative solutions to get there but yeah it's all like naivety to me isn't necessarily a bad thing it's I'm young and I'm aware of that and you know I just need to surround myself with the right things to pull me out of that and one day I won't be labeled that by certain <laughs> yeah. people maybe who knows and maybe you always will yeah. be and that's, that's <laughs> exactly. a plus yeah. <laughs> so I mean you, we've, you've both mentioned and 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 quite vigorously agreed with each other that that's one of the major challenges that you've met is not being taken seriously mm-hmm. uh both as a as a young entrepreneur and potentially as a female as well uh that that kind of sense of look listen thanks anyway but you don't really know what you're doing so mm-hmm. just go go for there and play a different game are there other other challenges that you've seen that either are specific to gen z or other challenges that any entrepreneur might have that you guys have faced I think we're in an interesting time, like living in a COVID world. And I don't know if this is Gen Z or just the time that we're in right now, but all of my education about around business was a lot of, you know, planning and, you know, analyzing previous, you know, whether it be previous years of sales or strategies and things. You can't really do that right now in a COVID world. And being like so involved in business right now is like, I, I could have all of my staff test positive tomorrow and go into isolation for 10 days. There is no, you know, six month pl- marketing plan that I can do or business plans for years. And I think that has been a real challenge as well is my education hasn't prepared me for the real world right now. Yeah, I don't know if you'd find that the same. But. Um, challenges with COVID, it's so hard to put a plan in place yeah. because it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. Um, but again, like the ability to be able to work with those changes is like such a skill. And that's a skill, again, that evolves yeah. over time. Yeah. And especially working with people. Like I have a team of staff and they are human and, you know, they've all got their own struggles going on in a COVID world right now. There's, well, lots more than just COVID right now. You know, there's a lot of external things that are so beyond our control that, you know, people may turn up one day and just not be feeling okay within themselves. And so it's been quite a sort of moral battle of mine of I could be this you know, business manager that just, you know, gets the job done at all costs. You know, it's it's not really about that for me and juggling the kind of human aspect and looking after those people because as we've seen in the past two years that like it's the people that matter and so quickly all of that can go. Um, so it's, yeah, that's been another challenge for me is that balance between business and just that human interaction and yeah. You, you mentioned, well, I'm putting words out here, but pivot, that ability to, to react and change. Yeah. 
Um, is it is is that? And you said you know you learn as you, as you go, you learn yeah. as you go. Is is that is that true though, or do you feel innately that you because you are entrepreneurial and because you are Gen Z, that that's something that you find comes naturally to you, or do you think that's something that is a learned skill? I think a bit of both. I think lots of people have entrepreneurial traits. That idea of um, running a business, being able to come up with an idea, implement it, that dedication. These are things that come from when innately yourself. But the idea of external skills like business knowledge, um, sales strategies, marketing strategies, um, financial knowledge, these are things that can be learned, things that one can learn as they go along. So what becomes relevant at the time, people are able to learn it for them at that time. And it's just something that you know you continuously learn because what you might know, I mean, what you might know today might not be what you know tomorrow. And is, is that true of, well, we had a really fascinating discussion in, in the last podcast about can innovation be be learnt or, or taught? Uh, and it was that idea of, yeah, innovation is a discipline. It's a set of skills uh, mm. which are different from entrepreneurship. It's, yeah. it's also a bit about imagination. It's also about those uh, those tools. Do, do you feel, and as you go through this journey, that you're not just learning how to be an entrepreneur, you're also learning how to be an innovator? Absolutely, yeah. And I think starting with what was a typical retail shop when I came on board, you know, pre-COVID times, has now turned into a hybrid of online store, contactless click and collect and, you know, appointments, Zoom calls, Zoom sewing lessons. Those are all things that we've just had to roll with because of the reality that we live in. But learning how to set that all up, you know, I'm self-taught on building websites, on integrating, you know, Zoom and learning how to just adapt. Like some of that is naturally a part of my personality, but it's just, it's all learning and just trying to soak in as much information as possible. And I think something quite unique to our generation is like, I learned you know, Facebook, just your typical sort of analytics and how to post the algorithm, all of that, you know, five or six years ago. Comparing that to now, completely different. All of that knowledge is just so irrelevant. And so it is that ability to just keep learning and keeping up with these constant changes. Um, and even if you think, you know, you've nailed Facebook, it, it may be gone for a day and all of that's gone. And, you know, it's just having that ability to adapt and have backups and, just work really sort of just quickly and just yeah ready for change I guess that's really really good point Shari pulling back to you a little bit so that's whenever you ask older entrepreneurs you know what advantages do younger entrepreneurs have and quite often they say well they're they're just more technically technologically capable they're more digitally aware they're they're gen z is the first digital digitally true digital native cohort and so they're able to adapt and change but you've just said anna that you are also struggling to keep up to date with the changes because it's so fast have you found that as well sure is that in your business is that important or just as a gen z or generally um we're because we're online social media the idea what platforms are relevant at the time change. So, for example, um, I grew up with like Facebook and even Instagram, but TikTok's the big thing at the moment. I'm not really good at TikTok. I'll be honest. I'm not good at TikTok because even that's beyond us at this point. Um, so it's about learning, being able to to try different things because technology is always evolving. What may be relevant 
what might be the big technological platform now is always going to change. So while the technology will change, you've just got to be able to learn as you go. Mm. You've just got to be able to apply those set of skills and be able to be able to implement that whatever platform is available. Yeah. I guarantee what you've just said is terrifying any millennial who's listening or any Gen X business person who's listening to that. But if you are struggling, if things no, are moving really no, no, no. everyone's got different set of skills. <laughs> everyone's just got different knowledge you know what may be harder for me may be easier for the other person yeah and also just having a social media presence doesn't actually reflect on my success like when it comes to converting sales I could be posting all these cute little tiktoks all day every day of sewing tutorials but it's not going to cover my overhead cost it's not going to actually impact the business in the way I want one day it could, yes, but there would be a lot of strategy and business planning behind that. It's not that we just get on a phone and we just we just know what to do. There's just so much more than that. And then having to balance that social media and web presence with actual business planning and running a team and running a shop and all of that. I don't think I have any advantage over an older person for social media anymore. And, like, to be honest, like, personally on social media, I'm barely ever on. So, yeah, it's quite, and I might be the minority in our generation, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't see it as a big strength of ours. I think it's just our willingness to just get out there and just put something up. That's more what I think the strength is of our generation. Just being brave and, yeah, just doing things. (laughs) So when you look at this journey that you're on, this learning journey, you know, moving slightly away, maybe from this digital conversation and social media conversation, you've both said about this learning journey uh, or or alluded to it. If you were, you know, giving advice to other Gen Z entrepreneurs at the moment, how do you take that journey? Is it all about experiential learning? Are you just learning by doing every day and, and failing and then getting back up and trying again? Or do you, Shari, do you have a, uh, a more intentional approach? Do you also learn outside of that experiential journey? Um, I think research. Research is the key. Researching. So if you've got a business idea, that comes from within you. That becomes from your ex- pre-existing knowledge. Um, but being able to implement, being an entrepreneur, it requires a lot of research, requires a lot of time, lies, um, relies a lot on talking with other people. Right. And so talking with other people, validating your idea. I mean, that's the crux of a business. Do people actually want your product? Are you going to be making any sales? Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think learning is really good for us, but being overexposed to so much information through Google and other, you know, just web platforms It's also having the ability to question everything you read and, you know, doubt, is this source reliable? Is this something that is actually going to benefit me? Or is it just that someone that made a million dollars in a year wants to make more money by selling me that Mm -hmm. advice? And, you know, quite quickly you can become sort of just overwhelmed with how much information is out there and you'll end up in this rabbit hole of just so much information and so much research that I know personally I just became a bit, stuck almost I was like now I know all of the stuff but how so it's a balance of just getting in there putting it into practice failing realizing that failing isn't actually failure and then just doing it again trying again and failures if you don't even try exactly yeah I think a lot of people call failure, isn't it? The acronym first attempt in learning, F-A-I-L. Yeah. Uh, it's a lovely way to approach it. 
the, you know, we've talked a lot about the challenges and we've talked about that, that intentional approach to the journey that you're on. But there must be opportunities to being a young entrepreneur as well that other entrepreneurs don't have. There must be those those things that you go, I'm going to double down in that opportunity because I can. Um, Shwari, can you you know think of a time maybe in your business where you've had an opportunity that maybe a 30-year-old who's in entrepreneurship wouldn't get? Um, I think it's the idea of Morocco Menstrual Cups being run by this woman of colour. Me being a woman of colour, people are wanting to align themselves with female entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who are wanting to change the world. I mean, anyone can can run a business. It's about the person behind it, the person willing to go, to be dedicated to this product. Um, I think another opportunity would be this growing ecosystem of uh, female entrepreneurs, particularly women of colour, um, this ecosystem that's going to grow and the funding that's becoming available, um, the connections and networking that's becoming available recently now and being a part of it at the initial stages means it's only going to grow and I mean how many opportunities can I mean there's going to be so many opportunities in the future so you that's you as an individual you've you've opened those doors or you found those doors opening for you because of who you are are there outside to broaden that to gen z as a cohort are there do you also see anything else or is, is this really your world and that's how you've seen it I would probably say a growing network a growing network of young founders coming together. I mean, that's, I mean, how the amazing people that you meet, the amazing people running businesses, um, this network, it's going to be a growing network. And I see that as an opportunity. Fantastic. Thank you. Huh? Yeah, it's really that collaborative approach. And I see quite a contrast in, like, I guess as we came together through the Young Founders yeah. program, we had already all connected and realised mm. that we can help each other. You know, in one of my previous roles, I had worked in the period poverty space. And Mm -hmm. so already we were sharing our knowledge. I had like Rebecca from Sustainzy. She needs sewing supplies. I have those. And so we were just starting to just teach each other everything. Whereas when I approach what would be, you know, typical competitors in my industry, I would get shut down or no one wants to share things on this fear of, you know, being a competitor. But I think everyone's just so open to working together. And if we've got the same goal or mission, just... Only grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that opportunity came about, you know, that so there are programs for Gen Z or, you know, around, dotted around the country mm. in, in different formats. Do you feel there's enough? Do you feel, let me rephrase that question, do you feel there's enough support for young entrepreneurs in, in New Zealand? In all honesty, no. (laughs) Like, I came out of that program feeling amazing. You know, there was so much opportunity. But then within a day, I was back to being in my little shop by myself, overwhelmed with all these, you know, day-to-day customers, orders, everything going on. And just that contrast of feeling so supported to kind of just that hit of reality, it was Yeah, there's just not quite enough out there yet, but I think we're definitely on the way. Like I think like networking events, there's a lot of those planned. Um, It's just, yeah, finding the time to actually get to them as well. But it's it's getting better. Um, It's just, yeah, finding things that are accessible to people that have insanely busy schedules as well. And yeah, just trying to balance that, like working in the business versus working on the business as well. 
Yeah, yeah just um, adding on to what Anna said, like making the you know these entrepreneurial courses, these events accessible. For example, if you're working a full-time job, you can't exactly just drop your job and start a business. That's just not realistic. But being able to have these courses working around full-time workers, full-time students even, getting in with a lot of students would be so beneficial because this the Young Founders course was was amazing. The knowledge we accumulated, the, the connections we built, and these are some, I just believe, could be a lot more accessible to people. Do people know about it? Can people, like the, the Young Enterprise Scheme across New Zealand, that's where I started. If I hadn't been able to have a course like that, I don't think I would have started my business or even thought about that. So it's like that seed of it, that, it's that seed that's been planted in me, that entrepreneurship is actually something that's accessible to me. So there, there seems to be, so young entrepreneurship, you know, there's the seed, there's the start, spark. I didn't know, did you do young enterprise as well? I didn't actually know about it when I was oh. in school. Okay. So as soon as I came out of school, um, I found out and I started just um, being like a speed mentor where you just pop in for a day. Mm. And I got involved that way, and it was incredible. But it was one of those things that I wish I had known about in school. Mm. Um, And I think I'm a couple of years older than you, and I don't know if it's just that timing. But, yeah, I just wish something was available when I was younger, still trying to figure out that path. See, I sort of knew what I wanted to do, then started my business. Um, But, yeah, with the right support, I could have started younger and made a lot more progress than I have already. So, so if that is the that is the spark, then is there you know we're talking about that support that comes after that ability to somebody to sit down with you and help you to have the ability to scale to grow and 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 to put your finances in order and learn how to put a team together. What what do you need? I mean, if if you could have a magic wand right now and you could put something in place in New Zealand for that piece. So after the sparks happened, it seems that Young Enterprise is doing a great job of of of, of lighting lighting that fire in a lot of a lot of people. What what's needed next? I would probably say one thing is funding. You know, c- can people financially sustain a business? Um, is it something that they are they able to do because you know students can't just drop they can't just drop their studies a lot of them and run a business um, but being able to have financial backing would make things a lot easier again it would depend on funds but having that extra level of support you know even like a few thousand dollars I mean that can make such the difference between an idea to an actual business mm-hmm. yeah and I guess being our age we don't have things behind us to kind of push us that step. You know, I've looked at a lot of funding options and, you know, I currently don't have any assets and things. You know, I don't own a house. I, I own a car that's, you know, a few grand at the most, but that's it. And it's quite a contrast from having, you know, your life set up already, you know, finding out that the average sort of founder was in their 40s. I was actually quite shocked. I thought it would be younger, but then I realized having that, you know, life set before you jump into business is probably a really, it's a better approach than what I'm doing right now. Like I'm sacrificing a lot of my personal growth and kind of personal life for this business. Um, But I still struggle to, yeah, get any further because there is nothing behind me. Mm. I can't actually go to the bank and get a loan because, well, I'm, too young and there's not really much you know behind me and and I guess that is that doubt and having to prove myself as well that challenge is just surfacing again but yeah and and it's not necessarily funding being the solution but it's just 
you know, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And just having people from different industries with different types of knowledge just opening our eyes and saying, you know, I did it this way or this is another approach. Because um, one of the most valuable things was hearing from, you know, previous founders and people who have their successful businesses. It's made me realise that there's not one right approach. You know, the, you can't do business a right or a wrong way. It, it, it's just business. It's entrepreneurship. Everything's so different. So if I could maybe sum up what, you, what you're both saying, and again, correct me if I've misunderstood, but what what's missing is is human capital so that that ability to be taken seriously mm. your social capital the need to create those networks but the financial capital as well the need for funding so if we could find a way of, of, of creating that for this this age bracket then that would be the platform to launch have I understood what you're saying correctly yeah I think yeah. that that would be incredible there is another aspect though. Um, just to make your life a bit harder, is the balance between business and our personal life and and health as well. Like, there has been a big challenge balancing that and keeping myself, you know, mentally well and just having that support system to help that side of things as well because I am so different to my friends. You know, they are maybe, you know, saving for a house or, you know, possibly having kids already and I'm wondering how I'm going to fund the next phase of my business. Or, you know, it's not something you can go home and just talk to your friend or your partner or anything. It is really this world of business that it would be great to have that sort of personal support as well. Not on a deep level, but even just having like the program coordinators in the young founders, being able to sit them aside for five minutes and just have a little vent or just ask for a bit of advice here and there was so valuable. Like, it, yeah, I felt so comfortable and just well supported in that program. And that was down to them respecting me personally as well as my business. Mm. Think support systems, as Anna was saying. A support system, a strong support system. My family has been a really good support system for me, being able to support me um, with the work I do. But I understand not a lot of people, some people may not have that. And being able to have someone to talk to, as Anna was saying, being mm. able to vent to someone is so important um, just for your mental health. And entrepreneurship can get so lonely sometimes. You're stuck in this, like, yeah. you've got this idea, you've got this business, and perhaps it feels like no one else understands. And I think as well as having all these financial aspects, these social aspects, uh, I guess social aspect links into, you know, networking is so important. I'm guessing a second year university student, you're not thinking of buying a house or having kids. So I don't, not got, at the moment. <laughs> definitely no. moving in different social circles there. <laughs> Look, that's brilliant. I think definitely those four areas seem you know, to make a lot of sense. The human, social, financial capital, plus a very, very strong support network as, as a system is how you've right. phrased it. That's fantastic. Okay, so let's go back to you having that magic wand. And uh, you have the city of Wellington right in front of you. Well, how, how could you do that? How could you uh, how could you get those things in place? Is there is it a program? Is it an ongoing uh, uh, ongoing accessibility that you have to funding and to networks and to you know, what what is it? What does it look like? I like the idea of that ongoing sort of thing because I have missed out on some major opportunities because of timing. I, you know, there was a particular um, sort of incubator type thing that I did want to apply for, 
But the week that I was writing my application, I had no staff. I had health issues going on. I had some very major things go wrong with some of my customers that I really need to look after. You know, it's about that post-purchase service as well. I don't sell something and then up and leave and that, that's your problem. You've got to balance all of that. And there was a time where I was thinking, you know, just push that aside for a week, just get this done. But actually for me, it's balancing that actual business, looking after my customers. So sometimes it's just the timing's wrong or yeah, there's just not the right thing at the right place or, you know, it may not be you know, the right area of New Zealand. And so just making it really accessible um, for us and mm. yeah. yeah. For me, it would be more incubator courses. Um, but on top of that, being able to have support systems throughout the year. Um, from when, you know, for, for us, you know, having someone to um, maybe check on us, maybe give us some more advice, maybe have some check-ins, um, and maybe through that course having, you know, financial um, streams. How am I able to um, source funding for this project or how am I able to scale up my business with investment? Being able to know where to go from there is, like, so important. You know, when I'm, if I, you know, researching market research, where do I go from there? Brilliant. All right. Yeah, you, something you touched on before, Anna, as well, you, about the, the fact that successful founders tend to be a little bit older, you know, in that 40, 40 plus mm. kind of age bracket. And that, that's from data from MIT uh, over in the States uh, across uh, a thousand of the most successful startups in, in a particular time period that had at least more than one employee or were raising X number, X amount of capital. That the average age of a founder in that in that bracket was around forty five, mm -hmm. and another piece of research over a, a longer period of time, probably around it was I think it was forty one point seven. I have to fact check that, but that you know so that that kind of flies in the face of of a lot of the myth around entrepreneurship being for young people. You, you know, we we talked briefly before this this series about people like Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, whoever successful entrepreneurs, that they started their first businesses very young. And yet that seems to be more the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. um, why is it that you need to be 45 or on that to be a successful founder? Is it just what we've talked about or is there something else we're missing here? Can I just ask about the, the 45? Like, does it take into other um, factors like socioeconomic background, race, gender? No. It does. So I think that would be something to look at as well. Um, country of origin, um, perhaps even citizenship status, you know, how, how is that 45 defined and what kind of level of education does that person have? I'm um, looking into those kind of factors, um, looking into, you know, entrepreneurship. How can someone, how, in which area is this, how, looking at how we've made entrepreneurship accessible in the ecosystem. That's a great point. So it's it's not just an age thing. There's, right. Yeah. Looking at other factors, um, how is this person had access to a, um, from the time they were born, have they been able? Has this level? Of, have they been able to attain a level of education? Have they be been able to have financial stability from the time they were a child? And I know that doesn't define entrepreneurship, but it can be the crux of things. Um, you know, Elon Musk. He was he's he came from a very wealthy family. Um, I'm not sure about Bezos. I think he came from a okay family, but they also had the idea of the the lottery. The idea that they're men, they're white, they came from America, a very 
very capitalist country, but that's not available for everyone. That's not that's not everyone's story. Mm, fantastic points. Yeah. So, Anna, do you want to add on to that? Is that? Yeah, I think part of it would be down to just that lived experience. Because when I think about starting my business at the age I am now, versus if I put it on hold and you know came back to it at forty five, the only advantage. I could see myself having that would affect my success is just the lived experience and just having that courage to back myself because I feel like I know what I'm doing. And I don't think that matters as much anymore. Like it may be like, yes, they were young when they started, but they probably had that support system with that lived experience to get them to where they are. Mm. I'm not sure. Like, I yeah, I don't see any benefit from me starting it when I'm older. I think for myself, I know what I want out of a business. I know what I want to create. And it's just, why not try now? You know, if I fail now, I can still be trying when I'm 45. Yeah. That's the way I see it. It's great. If we kind of put those two answers together, you know, what what you're essentially saying is there's there's so many different variables in terms of why mm. you could be successful. Mm. Lift experience is just one of those, uh, but there's there's many others. Uh, going back to human capital, social capital, etc., which may be easier to get that capital through lift experience, mm. but that's not the be all and end all. You right. know, you, we really need to look at that individual in their context and their environment. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's, that's great. So looking at New Zealand and looking at your experiences, do you think, yes, I I can do this, I can be a success, I have what I need, or are you looking at your situation and thinking, there's a lot of barriers? What, what's your, what are your thoughts? I think definitely. I think, you know, when I have a business idea, I feel like I'm able to take it to the next step because I see a lot of entrepreneurial hubs like Creative HQ, you know, Google, the idea of accessible education, um, accessible knowledge. Um, barriers, I'd probably say, um, probably, as we were talking about before, being taken seriously. Um, being young, you know, people can go, well, you have many business ideas. Why don't you wait till you're 45? <laughs> um, but it's being able to, to to implement that. That would be the, the big step. Yeah. Mm. Can you repeat the question again as well? Yeah, no, I was just wondering, you know, as you as you think of your experience and your, mm. your situation, your positionality right now in New Zealand, do you think you have what it what it what it takes? To, no, is there what it what you need to be successful, or do you feel I can just see barrier after barrier, and I don't have the support or the capital that I need to make this this work? In all honesty, it's a bit of both, because mm. I through being in my business for you know over two years now. It has been barrier after barrier, but I've learned through that time that I have the ability to stay resilient and stay true to where I want this business to go. Like, for example, I was having a discussion with a researcher who was just touching on the subject of like sustainability and resilience in supply chains. And we got on this topic of success. And then about 30 minutes in, I was like, hang on. Actually, my definition of success is different to other people's that aren't making a business that's values-driven or with a social impact. And so it's just having, like, just having that different perspective of, yes, there's barriers, but I'm still going to keep going. And there's no point 
doubting myself because if I don't do it, nothing's going to happen anyway. So just try. Why not? Like I don't have that confidence that it's 100% going to happen, but I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. It's that why not question. Why yeah. not? What is stopping you? Yeah. No, if, if not now, then when? Yeah. You'll keep waiting, you'll keep waiting, you'll go, okay, I've got this idea, I've got that idea, and then you'll kind of, your life will go away. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll think, oh, if only, if only, it'll be like, why, 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 and then if only. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and it goes to, you know, as I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about slowing down fast fashion, that, that the phrase that you used, mm. is is that your why? Absolutely. There's a few other things in the mix, um, which actually quite align with your business as well, down to sort of accessibility, community, education. Mm -hmm. That's all a part of it as well. But yeah, it's really standing up to that fast fashion, which has become the norm. You know, I find a lot of my friends or people I've been to school with, they don't think twice about these impulse purchases and things. And it's down to the way that, that, that you know, information has been marketed to them over time that it's so subconscious. And so it's really just building a brand that's going to communicate that that shouldn't be the norm, that there are other options Education. out there. Yeah, yeah. It, for me, a major part of what I do is yeah, standing up to the fast fashion and really showing that there is an alternative and there are designers and clothing labels out there that are good, but they're priced the way they are because there is a price for being good. You know, it's not, yeah, there's, you can underpay your workers and everything to get low price products and claim it's sustainable. But if you're ignoring the ethics and the social aspect of it, it's still not a good business and I still don't, it doesn't sit well with me. So, yeah, it's just really challenging what has been become the norm now really so that, that purpose-led approach i mean very much sitting at the heart of what you do shari as well you know the period poverty concepts one in two new zealand women that you mentioned mm-hmm. it, do you know if that's also accurate for gen z have you broken that down into age groups or? um i used to study on kids can that might yeah. be changing there was a study in 2019 i believe okay. um but you know we don't know the extent of period poverty because it's such a hidden issue because you don't want to talk about your period because there's that level of stigma and then you don't want to admit that you can't afford period products because it seems like everyone can because $5 seems like so little, but in fact it does add up monthly. What I was getting at was that it's so purpose-led. Both of you are very mm-hmm. purpose-driven, which seems to be a characteristic that really does connect to Gen Z as, as a whole as, of how you see yourselves and how others see you as well. Does that make you stand apart? Uh, does that create new opportunities for you because you are purpose-led and purpose-driven and focused in that space? Or does it actually hold you back? One of the, the comments that was made yesterday, sorry, in a, in a previous podcast, was on you know that maybe the focus is too much in giving back maybe first of all young people should set up their businesses to be successful and then focus on giving back because by focusing too much in giving back early you're holding yourself back what, what do you think does it make you stand apart in a good way or a bad way i think in a great way i think being able to give back is living a purposeful life giving back through your work you feel like you're, you're making a meaningful impact um and i think that comes down to the rise of social conscious businesses, social conscious initiatives that are coming around. Because um, I think what connects um, Anna and I is that we're really passionate about climate action. 
um, and you can agree, climate action sustainability. And that's something that is a global issue and connecting your business to a global issue means that it has purpose. You can't just live for money. I mean, by all means, just have a, um, do something for money, that's up to you. But having a purpose and doing something that you love, I think it comes down to love, um, dedication, and admiring what you do is, is really makes it, makes it stand out. Awesome. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. There have been some instances in my business, though, where I have been a bit frustrated because me playing the, the good game and, you know, standing mm. by my ethics and values, it has compromised, you know, my, my sales and my profit margins and things like that, which have then had an implication on my ability to scale and grow and to invest in these concepts that are for good. Because even if you are running a social enterprise, it still costs money to do. Being the age I'm at, I don't have that money behind me. And I don't see my business getting me to a position that's going to give me a really good financial stable background. Because the majority of money we make, it, it goes back into the business. It's covering those costs. So there is a line about balancing the you know, sustainability, but then the financial sustainability yeah. in order for your business to keep going. It's, yeah, been a really tough balance for me to, to learn. That's that's kind of the, the common theme with uh, social enterprises, balancing money and social good, mm. because you're for profit, but you also want to want to do good. You're not just a purely commercial business and trying to just balance that can be quite a tricky challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, you you need the money, you need the capital to reinvest to create the exactly. goods. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I could talk to you guys for for hours and hours and days and days, uh, and uh, and still be asking more questions. So, thank you so much for you for your time for coming in and being on the Creative Couch with us today. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing to hear your journeys and best of luck with your with your enterprises and, and pushing forward. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And thank you for joining us for uh, this is the, the last uh, episode of looking at Gen Z and uh, innovation. Our, our next episode will be looking at uh, starting off our founder series. Thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.